Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Ah, thanks. Ah, good morning. All right, before I dive in, I just wanted to share a little bit about my heart for Easter. Easter is coming. Everybody know Easter's coming? And I've just been sitting with the Lord in anticipation of Easter this year in a new and different way. And I had this conviction that this is the pinnacle celebration of our faith. It is A huge deal. Jesus conquered the grave, defeated death, rose again, shed his blood so that we don't have to die, that we get to live eternally with him, that we get to walk in healing and wholeness. And honestly, last year I left Easter and I said, huh, was that it? And I thought, well, I dressed my boys in collared shirts. That's a feat. I had a great lunch with my family, and service was good and special and celebratory, which I love. But is that all there is? And I felt conviction hit me. And in typical fashion, I emailed myself (laughs) a scheduled send email to pop up in February and say, hey, did you remember? (laughs) Remember, you didn't think that we got all that we wanted out of Easter last year. And so I got this email that I sent to myself, you know, 10 months ago, <laughs> so I wouldn't forget, which helped me. <laughs> and and I, was, I was convicted, like, God, there's more. There's more for us. And can we be a church where people come expecting the resurrection power of Jesus on Easter? Can we be a people who pull on the promises of his death and resurrection on Easter and expect the impossible. And I am putting my hope there. And I am, I am just, you know, participating in Lent for the first time since I was in college. In college, I gave up ice cream from the vending machine in the cafeteria. <laughs> it was a true sacrifice. <laughs> However, I just, I invite you, I've been, I've been studying the story of Easter and finding these Bible studies on Bible Project and like just really gearing up my heart and spirit, man. Like, what do you have in store, Jesus? And so I would ask you to just join me in engaging your anticipation. All right? All right. Okay. Just wanted to give you a prequel so you don't show up that day like I always show up in our collared shirts and dresses. <laughs> Ta-da, we're here, it's Easter. There's more, okay? So, so much more, okay. Okay, that's not my sermon. It's just a freebie, okay? Okay. <sighs> we're gonna be talking today about being people of the Spirit. And it is our portion, it is his invitation, it is our call to be people of the Spirit He's calling us higher, and I feel him raising my awareness of the Holy Spirit in my life. And 
uh, as Dan mentioned and Blake preached a few weeks ago, it is a season of his face. We are people of the Spirit. And I, I want to, Romans 8, 14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We are those, we are sons and daughters of God led by the Spirit. And so, uh, you know, just to lay some foundation, Jesus, he came and at his water baptism, there was a significant moment. So John, he goes to John to be water baptized. John kind of says, oh, is this okay? Am I okay to baptize you? Jesus says, yes, you have to. He baptizes him in the water. The skies and heavens split open, and a dove comes and lands on Jesus. The verse says, um, he's, oh, I don't have it there. Never mind. Um, the, the dove lands on his shoulder, and the Holy Spirit comes in power on Jesus at his baptism to enable him to do the work that his call on his life is. And the power follows. The Holy Spirit is the oil of God that was smeared on Jesus. And Jesus needed it for power. If Jesus needs it for power, I need him for power. And we shouldn't say it. It's a him. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God, he came and this Holy Spirit, he's coming to anoint us to walk in power and walk in our call and walk in our supernatural endeavors. This is him, okay? Okay, fast forward a few years. Jesus has spent three years with his disciples, okay? I just, I just want to picture what it was like. They were walking and talking and hanging out. They were, uh, you know, they're lounging, having meals together. I want you to think about the people that you eat with regularly. That's just a different relationship. We're so connected. These people, these disciples, they watched Jesus cast demons out of a man. Those demons jump into pigs and they jump off a cliff. <laughs> They're walking the streets with the man of Jesus and a woman, like people are touching him, and a woman grabs his garment. He's like, whoa, power left my body. She gets healed from her issue of blood. They're, they're walking the earth with him. They're arguing in front of him. <laughs> who's greater? Who's greater? Show me who's greater. They are really, really connected. They are intimately walking with Jesus. He is their best friend. I can't imagine them having ever had a better friend than this Jesus. So he tells them, it's better for you that I go. If I'm them, I don't believe him for a second. I don't, like, you've got to be kidding me. Look what we've lived through. Look what we've walked through. Look what we've experienced together. I'm breaking bread with you. I'm hanging out. I'm asking questions of you always. 
and you're right there answering them. No, it's better that I go. John 16, 7, but I tell you the truth, it is for your benefit that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or comforter or helper or counselor, he will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I don't know the advocate, comforter, Holy Spirit better than those disciples knew Jesus. He told them, it's better that I go because one is coming that you need. I don't know. I felt conviction enter my heart this week. I, to know the Holy Spirit like the disciples knew Jesus, what an invitation that is. It's better that I go than me being with you. And Jesus, you know, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's in John 20. Receive the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And uh, Dad was sharing a couple weeks ago about the Holy Spirit and he shared this story that Catherine Kuhlman um, was in a meeting talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was reading this book by Benny Hinn on the anointing and just stumbled upon this exact story. And it bears repeating. Catherine is in a meeting and she says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's all I have. He's my best friend. He's more real than you or me. Don't grieve him. And I just read this with the presence of God thinking, wow, what an intimate knowledge and awareness of the Holy Spirit. To know him in that way, he's realer than you right there. He's realer than me. Is this our experience? Don't grieve him. He's all that I have. So I want to talk about my heart posture towards him. Because that affects how I receive him. And so I, I feel this urgency of us to stir up, to anticipate, to pull on the Holy Spirit. He's right there <laughs> waiting. And, you know, he has so many facets to him. He's the encourager. He'll convict me. <laughs> he, he'll strengthen me. He'll help and I have just been thinking about how we get to be led by him. Can I posture my heart to be led by the Holy Spirit? And uh, I had this moment about, I don't know, a year ago maybe. And Leif Hetland, he is one of our apostolic leaders and just speaks into our body and preaches here. And 
speaks into me. And, and Leif, uh, I've gone to his office every few months for a couple of years, and I, I tend to posture myself like a daughter. Like, hey, I want to receive. I want to pull on who you are. I want to receive who you are. And I felt this shift, this like minor adjustment of, oh, I need to receive a little more from him as a father. Okay, how am I going to adjust my heart? So I go into his office a year ago, and he's literally sharing the same stories. The, there's, I'm like, oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I've heard that before. It pierces my heart in a significantly different way by this tiny micro-adjustment of my posture. I go in there thinking, I'm ready to be led. I'm ready to be a daughter. I'm posturing my heart as a daughter. I'm posturing my heart. Hey, lead me. You have something that I don't have. Can I pull on that? And in an instant, I felt a difference. And he wasn't saying anything more profound. He's always profound. He was releasing truth, and it was piercing my heart in a way that was only due to my shift to be led. This is the Holy Spirit with me. Do, am I inviting him to lead me? Am I posturing my heart to be led? You know, we can, this is all of us. We can be led or we can really just receive and walk in just authority of the one leading us. And the Holy Spirit, he's calling us and he's adjusting us. But it takes a heart posture that says, lead me. Lead me, Holy Spirit. I don't know. I don't know. What do I not know? Show me what I don't know. Show me more of who you are. This is the Israelites. They're following the cloud. They're being led by this cloud, and the supernatural invades The other, another element of my posture is a posture of surrender and dependence. In college, I went to Georgia Tech, and I, I, was, I was studying to be an industrial engineer. I excelled. I never have used my industrial engineer degree a day in my life. <laughs> and people ask me, they're like, so you're a pastor with an IE degree? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, why'd you go to tech? I'm like, ah, I'm not sure. I met Brent there. Uh, that's good. They're like, what, what'd you get out of that? And I'm like, oh, Brent. And I got out that... I can do anything. If I can get through this school, I can do anything. <laughs> we know. And, uh, but with that came this self-sufficiency. Like, I can do it. And, uh, and when my self-sufficiency ends, <laughs> and my need is higher, <laughs> there's this huge gap between where I end and the need begins. And that is the invitation to surrender 
It's the invitation into a life of dependence. And I felt this tension of, oh, I thought I could handle it. (laughs) I can't. I could shrink my life to be able to handle it. Or I could raise my dependence and rely on his sufficiency to pull on that which I can't do on my own. And this is my heart posture, Holy Spirit. It's, it has to be you. Catherine Kuhlman, again, she shared, she shared this often. She, um, her assistant told this to Benny Hinn. And, he, and she said, Benny, it's not your prayers. It's not your ability. It's your surrender. Learn how to surrender. And there's an invitation in that to be a yielded people. Because I used to feel this desire to shrink my life into something I could control. <laughs> that doesn't work. You have more children. <laughs> I, the need is more, the demand is greater than the capacity. And that's what he intends. He d- intends our life to live at a level that our self-sufficient, I can do it on my own self, can't attain. And that's the life we're called to. It is the life that he's calling us to. It is the life that displays the miraculous. It is the life that adjusts our mindset to, this is impossible, I can't do it, he can do it. And am I writing the checks that only he can cash? Am I, or am I dependent upon my good ideas, my strength, (laughs) my willpower, my push-through-itness, which fails you? Am I, is that that where I'm depending on? Because it won't sustain. If I get there on my own, I have to sustain it on my own. I used to, um, confession, I used to not really like to preach. Anyone who knows me well. It was like kind of, I, I, I came up here pushing and pulling. <laughs> like, okay, here I go. And honestly, I don't think my family enjoyed it very much when I would preach because I would fully hibernate because I had to hear the Lord. And I... I had to come up with a good message. I had to find the revelation. I, I, I had to, <laughs> in my own strength to figure it out. And it's, it's really wild. I've started to love it. And I, I'm often telling the Lord, okay, God, you called me to it. You get to show up. <laughs> Now, I'm not going to not study. I'm not going to not prepare. I'm not going to not do all the things. But it's actually you. <laughs> what do you want to say? What is, 
your people, what are you saying to us in this hour? And there has been the most wild joy in the surrender. I enjoy it. <laughs> and I think my kids don't hate it anymore. <laughs> like, we're still watching TV and we're still doing life. We're still going to, to play at the park. I'm not having to figure it out on my own. So there is joy in the surrender. In our weakness, he gets to be made strong. In our lack, he gets to show up. In my childlikeness, he gets to be the father. I, it's such a joy to be a child. I mean, look at them. They live a good life. <laughs> they really live a, live a good life. They live a free life. They live carefree. They're wondering what's next. What's next? We've had 33 playdates this week. You want to know what's next? Like, it's all been fun. What's next? <laughs> it's been winter break. <laughs> I'm a little tired. <laughs> I have been golf carting children everywhere. What's next? This is childlikeness. And it's our invitation. The Holy Spirit says, be like a child. How do you approach me like a child? Okay, Holy Spirit, what's next? You know, it's fun when we start walking and talking with the Holy Spirit as our friend. You're like, oh, I've seen two hawks this week. What is that? <laughs> I did see one flying to me. It was 10 feet away. I'm like, you need to take a turn. Like, you're like, <laughs> you're right. And uh, it did. We're fine. <sighs> but you start asking questions with the Holy Spirit. Like, God, are you saying something? What are you saying? It, you, just, you start to act like a child. Like, well, that was weird. What's going on, God? Holy Spirit, what are you showing me? He loves that childlike side. He loves that interaction. This posture toward the Holy Spirit looks like a lot of trust. And it's actually a trust in who he is and not in the outcome. It's real easy to be putting our trust in the checks in the mail. Putting our trust in my husband getting the job. Putting my trust in the kids getting their hopes and dreams coming to pass. It's a lot harder to say, actually, I'm not in control of the outcome, but I trust the Father. And the Father, he knows. <laughs> he has it in his hand. He cares. He cares. <laughs> but if I start trusting the outcome, I am going to lose my mind. <laughs> Because the outcome doesn't always line up. The outcome could be any which way. He lines up. His truth lines up. You know, this life of surrender, you know, it's all through the Bible. Paul, 
he modeled it so beautifully. Uh, you know, Paul the terrorist walking the streets trying to end what we know <laughs> gets encountered has a radical encounter, is blinded, keeps walking, runs, Ananias is told to go meet him. And, I, and it says, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me, this is Ananias speaking, so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He surrenders his life, is filled with the Holy Spirit, and changes the world. He walks in power. <laughs> he, I can't go about being a terrorist anymore. Okay, <laughs> this is not working out. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. And then he starts bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. The pinnacle of success is a surrendered life. And we get to surrender with great joy. And this surrender with Paul to Saul was followed with power. The Holy Spirit is in us for us and on us for them. Bill Johnson says that all the time. He's in us for ourselves and on us for the world. He talks of a dove on your shoulder. If I legit had a dove right here. I would act very differently. I probably wouldn't raise my voice. <laughs> I would walk with a lot of care. I'd be very aware. If I'm living with this kind of awareness of the Holy Spirit, what, am I, what is my life looking like? What does my talk look like? What is my mannerisms? What is my anticipation? What is my expectation look like? Because people of the Spirit move differently. We hear differently. We walk differently. We expect differently. In Acts, nope, John 3, 8, the wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound but cannot tell where it comes from and where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. We are born of the Spirit. We're people of the Spirit. And we are called to walk in power. And this power comes from the Holy Spirit within us and upon our lives. As Dan shared last week, the, in 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom is not about talk, but about power. And power comes through our encounters. I am posturing my heart to say, God, we need more of you. I need you, your Holy Spirit, to encounter me again and again. I need your oil to sustain the fire that comes. In Acts 1.8, it said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the end of the earth. 
You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Oh, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Come upon us in a, in a fresh and new way. Holy Spirit. Hmm. When Peter, he walked with Jesus, he surrendered his life, you know, early on. Come, follow me. Leave all you have. He, he lived a life of surrender to follow Jesus. And then, Pentecost. And then the fire of God, the Holy Spirit fell on this room. And then he preaches this crazy message. Full of the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 were added to their number that day. Power accompanied him being full of the Holy Spirit. Through miraculous encounters, we get a renewed mind. Our mind is recalibrated when the miraculous touches. Because I realize this gap between what I can do and what you are inviting me to is so great my mind has to change. I have to renew it. Like, oh, I'm, here I am, and this need is here. When we encounter the Holy Spirit, our mind is recalibrated. It's the moments in worship where you have a moment with the Lord and you realize in an instant, oh, I got to repent. I'm not thinking the way you think. We need our mind to be renewed. I had, the Holy Spirit woke me up this week and just told me a few words. And I'm thinking, that is not in my vocabulary. I got to go look this up. And he just recalibrated something, some of my actions, like, oh, I got to adjust here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And so this presence, this Holy Spirit presence is upon us for the world. And I just feel this call. We are the church who are believing for the impossible. And we can't do it on our own. There's a gap between where we end and where that need begins. There is, you know, when you have an autoimmune disease, they come out of the woodworks and everyone that has one tells you. And I, I love it. I want to hear because I want to pray. There is, there is a need <laughs> that we as a house are going to go after. And we're going to see autoimmune diseases die at the feet of Jesus in this house. And that need is way bigger than our ability. It is way bigger than our good ideas. It requires the Holy Spirit, the power to come, the anointing to flow through us and people to be radically healed. We have to, we have to put a demand on the Holy Spirit. Hey, you said that this is what you want, to, you want to flow through us, that greater works will follow, that people will be healed, that your power will flow through us. You said it, it's not lining up yet. I'm the issue, not you. <laughs> and I've just felt this invitation from the Lord. What are we doing in the shaking? 
what do I do when my circumstances don't line up with the truth? Him, the truth. What do I do when my health doesn't line up with the promises? What do I do with, when, when the need is way beyond the good idea or the good solution? What do we do in the shaking, church? In Hebrews 12, 27 and 28 in the Passion Translation, this phrase, once and for all, it clearly indicates the final removal of things that are shaking. That is the old order. So only what is unshakable will remain. Since we're receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe, <laughs> for, for our God is holy, devouring fire. The only thing that remains is the unshakable. We are promised shaking. It shouldn't scare me, but it still does. I'm always surprised. I feel like God's like, really? You're still surprised by shaking? You're still surprised by the unsteadiness, by the unexpected? I've promised you shaking. But I've also promised that only, the only thing that remains is the unshakable. And we have to lay our lives down in absolute surrender because it doesn't line up with what I think until my mind is renewed over and over and over. Oh, I'm not surprised by this shaking. Okay, you're shaking something out, God. What are you shaking out? Where is there? <laughs> Where is there inside of me that's not lining up with how you think, how you believe? I mean, Paul's imprisoned, persecuted. The circumstances did not line up with where he thought they would line up. He had to anchor himself in the truth, not in the end result. Uh, Sean Bowles posted on his Facebook page five years ago, and I've just been sitting with this for months. If my people are without mixture, God will pour out his spirit without measure. Whoa. <laughs> Where do we have mixture? <laughs> the shaking reveals it. Whoa. When I'm shaken, I realize, oh, my thoughts are way below where you're thinking. My experience is not lining up with the promise. And in the shaking, you find out your level of mixture. And if he's saying, God says in John 3, 34, for whom God has sent speaks the word of God. He gives his spirit without measure. Am I, am I living a life where the spirit is poured out without measure? Where is the mixture? Because there's a limiting factor here. And it's not on his end. 
He's willing to pour himself out and pour himself out and pour himself out and pour himself out. Where's the mixture? Am I living in an abundant measure of his Holy Spirit poured out? When it's not with mixture, it's raw, like raw power. It's undiluted, the undiluted gospel. It's completely pure. It's without compromise. Is this our life? God, where is compromise? Where, where am I not walking in the raw power of God? Where am I not, where am I using all of my sufficiency where actually you want to be the sufficient one? Where is the mixture? He loves to pour himself out. I want to read to you a bunch of verses about how he pours himself out. Because it's his desire. And I would ask us, are we ready? Am I hungry for it? Am I thirsty for it? Am I ready to be a people of the Spirit who move with the wind? Who move when he says, you know, it no longer surprises me when people say, God called me to do fill in the blank. I'm like, yeah, it's because you hear and obey. That sounds like him. It sounds crazy. It sounds like him. And so... Posture your heart. I, I, I am so convinced he's ready. <laughs> and the lack is on my end. The, the lack of readiness is on my end. It's not on his end. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a song on in a second, and I'm going to read these scriptures over you, and I want us to believe. <laughs> I want you to say, he said it. I believe his word's true. Pour it out, God. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.